This is Real Talk, the Customer Insights Show with Jen Vogel. Jen and her guests share valuable information to help you understand your customers better. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, you can also ask Alexa or Siri to play Real Talk. This episode is presented to you by Vox Popme, the leader in video surveys. Here's today's episode. Hello, insights professionals, marketers, and everyone who wants to understand their customers better. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Real Talk, the Customer Insights Show. Now, on all of our episodes, we talk about understanding our customers, whether that's through centralized data, customer-led strategies, or ownership of customer insights. And today, I want to dive into how market research technology can help us understand our customers and create great experiences for them. So to dive into that topic, I'm joined by Rick Kelly, Chief Product Officer at FuelCycle. Um, FuelCycle is one of Vox Popme's longest, oldest partners, so thrilled to have him on today. Um, FuelCycle is a cloud-based experience management platform for supercharging the relationship between humans and brands through community, panel, progressive profiling, and a partnership exchange of 30-plus endpoint solutions. FuelCycle offers an all-in-one ecosystem that combines quantitative and qualitative data to power real-time business decisions. Welcome to today's episode, Rick. Thank you so much. It's uh, an absolute pleasure to be here. I finally made it. I feel like I finally made it now. You have arrived. This is the the peak of your career. <laughs> it's, all, it's all downhill from here. I made it on Real Talk with Jen Vogel. It's been a lifetime aspiration, and thanks for the kind introduction, too. Well, really, really excited to have this chat with you today. And, you know, one question that we ask all of our guests um, is just from your experience, how has the role of customer insights evolved in companies in the last year? Yeah, you, you know, what's interesting is that uh, I think the the realization that customer insights is essential has become more and more apparent. I mean, speaking from our own experience, we can see uh, product analytics data from uh, like our platform usage start to take off about uh, the second week of March uh, in 2020. From there, it just kind of accelerates and accelerates and uh, you know, kind of keeps growing throughout the year, which obviously is a great thing for us, but for companies, that just means that they've, they're realizing more and more is that they need to tap into uh, customer preferences, uh, evolving, you know, kind of, uh, purchase preferences, product preferences, delivery models, uh, more than they ever did before. I think you're so right about that. I, I, you know, when we were, when we used to go to conferences, that was a topic often in the the talks that were happening of like, how can insights get a, a, a seat at the table and how can you elevate your importance in the company? And it feels like in the last year that uh, all of a sudden the insights department was getting you know, a lot more questions like, hey, we don't understand what's going on with people anymore. Everything's changed. We need you more than we ever realized we did. And that's a really great thing for the insights industry. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's interesting is that there's some research. I'm sure some people have seen it uh, from Boston Consulting Group and Cambiar Consulting uh, from probably 2016, 2017, um, where they ask, you know, uh, C-level leaders about like their prioritization of customer insights and CMI functions. And, uh, you know, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies overwhelmingly say customer insights is a huge priority for them. Uh, but, uh, you know, less than 20% uh, actually said that they're really happy with customer insights. And so I, I think that uh, it's been incumbent on, you know, insights professionals to change and change the delivery model for insights for some time. 
it's a huge priority. It hasn't always been delivered the way that it ought to. And I think the, the past 12 months or so have, have definitely accelerated the shift uh, towards a, a kind of more responsive research. Yeah, that's super interesting. I'm gonna have to. You're gonna have to send me those studies. Um, I'm I'm always interested in those disconnects that happen. That you know, when we all have things that we say are important, and you know, when we're not getting our needs met <laughs> internally or externally, like uh, it's fascinating to me. So you have to send those over. Um, so maybe just give us a quick overview of fuel cycle and the problem that you guys solve for your for your customers. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll start with the problem and I'll kind of like jump into like the solution. Um, so, so first of all, like we absolutely believe that market research is a critical fun function for enterprises to succeed. So past, you know, 10, 12 years, even pre-pandemic, we lived in a world of accelerating change where, you know, like there's new social media outlets, there's new product channels, there's a huge amount of venture money flowing into say like FinTech and things like that, which means that uh, there's more options for customers or consumers in general. Uh, they're more empowered uh, to have transparency into business practices, to product quality, things like that, which means that, um, you know, they have choice and it's been really disruptive to a lot of like uh, legacy organizations. And, and yet, so during this time when, you know, customer purchase preferences and product preferences have gone through massive amounts of change and obviously the past like 12 months, I've been emblematic of that, but it's not, you know, like the last 12 months, but a cap on the last decade or so. It's, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's been interesting because the market research industry has grown at like an average of like 1%. So for an industry, for an industry that says that they are the conduit of customer consumer opinion to grow so slowly during like that time of accelerating change doesn't make any sense which means that market research really hasn't been doing the job that it needs to do. It needs to be more responsive, more flexible, uh, and deliver, you know, uh, much, much at a much faster scale or pace than it had before. And so for fuel cycle, what we do is provide what we call the market research cloud. And we, we really have a background. A lot of people know us for and think it's a fantastic tool, but the market research cloud is a cohesive platform that allows us, allows our customers to make constant connection to their customers, prospects, and users through uh, an array of solutions that allows them to accelerate decision-making with automated research, uh, you know, qualitative connections and user-friendly solutions that kind of complete like this market research cloud solution. So I mentioned earlier that we have a bunch of product integrations, including with Me, which is awesome, um, but allows us to a cohesive solution to our customers to really help accelerate research and increase the flexibility that enterprises have to uh, collect data from like their core uh, constituent audiences. Wonderful. So, I mean, what it's so interesting what you say about the market research industry growing about 1% in that time period where customers are more savvy and are making, you know, smarter decisions. That is really interesting to me. And I'm I'm wondering, like, what's your opinion on why that is? Like, we have had these conversations for years about the democratization of research and, you know, research being conduct conducted outside of the insights uh, groups in companies. Like, is that part of it? Like, why, why is the, you know, aside from us needing to 
be more agile or be more responsive, as you say, like what what's driving that that lag? Yeah. So, you know, like my these are hypotheses, um, but really like it's uh, you, you see like the typical kind of agency led model. And there's so many smart, like wonderful people that work at agencies and they do wonderful things and have a place in the world. But, you know, if I think about my own role as a product manager, product owner, is if I need feedback from customers, I can't wait four weeks, six weeks for a survey, a set of focus groups to get done and get kind of trickled back to me. It's I need to know something right away so we can prioritize, you know, something in the development process. And the same is true for, uh, you know, any type of business stakeholder. So ad campaigns, marketing campaigns, you might have big tentpole strategies, but you also have to, have to be super responsive to changes in the marketplace. And you think about like smaller kind of direct to consumer type, type companies, they're, they're now equipped with the tools to innovate with on product, on go-to-market strategy, just as fast or faster than enterprises are. And so really the, the general thesis is that market research uh, needs to accelerate timelines and get feedback to, uh, to stakeholders in a much more user-friendly format than, than it does today. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with that. So how, how do you see the customer insights evolving? Yeah, well, you, you think about it is that uh, in the traditional market research model, I don't think uh, I don't think it goes away. I think it shifts in general. So inside an organization, you typically, and this is like very I'm generalizing and obviously it varies, but you typically have a, a market research team or a department or something that sits underneath some other department. And then they serve a bunch of other stakeholders, whether it's in product management, it's in branding, it's in marketing, it's in user experience, whatever it might be. And they really are kind of centralized uh, group for everybody else to run research through. And there's absolutely a place for that when you need really high end, like sophisticated research, you need big, you know, tentpole uh, research and understanding of your uh, constituent audiences. But more and more, I think we're going to see insights move to the edge, meaning they're moving to the insights processes are moving to the hands of decision makers, meaning it's sitting in the hand of a UX designer or sitting in the hands of a product manager or a marketing associate or whomever it is where they can kind of push button, get results uh, on their own using validated methodologies without having to go through like the, the labyrinth of, uh, you know, kind of market research uh, processes overall. Yeah. And, and that is an opportunity in my opinion to either like, it's either an opportunity for the insights department to really like, like have their stake in the ground of, of where they do provide value or it's a big threat to the industry. And, and you know, I've seen, I, I just was hearing the other day about um, a marketing team at a, a large organization that they don't have an insights department. The marketing team runs all of their customer research and they don't intend to build a customer insights team. They feel like they're getting what they need within the marketing team team. And, you know, I think that there is so much value, as you say, about what the insights team can provide and how that's different from what a marketing or a user experience person or a product person can do on their own. But we need to prove that value, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point. We're really, it's, uh, and again, I think I'm very bullish on the long-term prospects for market researchers and they should view it as opportunities rather than as a threat to like careers or place in the organization. And really, it's an opportunity to level up 
the uh, like the approach. You know, moving from task based to strategic advisors to you know to stakeholders um, and putting tools in their hands, I think, is going to be a, a big opportunity for them in the, in the near future. Yeah, that's a great segue because I want to get into market research technology and you know really dig into like how has MR tech played a, a role in all of this evolution. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I think, um, you know, when, when we cited those numbers earlier about the growth rate of the market research industry, we're talking about like the traditional market research industry. Obviously, there's huge growth outside of it. When we look at, you know, any of like the uh, the platforms, whether it's uh, SurveyMonkey, Qualtrics, Medallia, I don't want to offend anybody by not mentioning your platform. They're all special, <laughs> cool technologies. Uh, but, uh, you know, like really like you see like the pace of acceleration and, and, and the ability for somebody who is a stakeholder or traditionally not sitting in that insights function, it gives them the ability to access you know, new, um, new tools for decision making. And obviously uh, solutions like, uh, you know, FuelCycle, VoxPopMe, or really accelerate that qualitative component too, and actually make it much easier and reduce the friction in, in doing that, right? And, and when, I th when we think about, um, when we think about like uh, our technology-led approach, what we find is, is that, and we see this outside the research industry, right? When the user experience is positive and there's like good reinforcement loops, you do more, you share more. So you get good reinforcement for posting a photo on Instagram, you're going to share more, interact more, things like that. And so as we lower the barriers to user experience or improve like the quality of user experience, we see a lot of opportunity for, um, you know, more research to be done. Unfortunately, that's a really high hill to climb because uh, there's there's a lot of things that uh, a lot of you know data processing, data cleaning, uh, those types of things that need to to be ironed out really well to make a platform that's gonna be like usable for everyone. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Also, um, you know, I was uh, listening in on a, a conversation earlier today about um, you know really like what what everybody wants is that one platform that is going to have all of the all of the different methodologies or all the the different tech that they want integrated into one and you know i've seen companies do this very well you know through partnerships and so i want to hear your thoughts on that but i've also seen it done very poorly where you know companies try to be everything to everyone and do it all sort of okay as opposed to really specializing um so yeah would love to hear your take on that and you know on bringing all those pieces of technology together yeah I, it's a great question it's obviously something that i'm super passionate about that we've, we've done a lot of and when you talk about companies that have tried to do everything um you know technology companies or whomever like it, it takes a special amount of focus to do what you're really really good at and uh you know we look at uh, like analogies that we use outside the market research space is that you have these platforms and in these exchanges you know salesforce uh app exchange you have marketo you know adobe they have their app exchange medallia has theirs Qualtrics has theirs. they all have like these different integration platforms and so building out platforms that allow us to connect data seamlessly, it is important and it allows us to deliver more value to customers, to our partners and everything else too. Uh, famously, the first big uh, developers of, of platforms back, you know, say 20, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, it's Microsoft where an ecosystem had to deliver, um, you know, like no more than like a quarter of the value or a, a platform could take no more than a quarter of the value provided to its ecosystem. 
that's something that we think about too, is we're delivering value to our partner network, right? In terms of revenue, uh, stickiness, you know, decreased churn, like all those types of things. But more importantly, we're delivering a ton of value to our uh, customers as well. And we're able to do that, not by trying to, you know, boil the ocean and do everything ourselves. We have all these different tools uh, in a pretty seamless manner. Yeah, I think that's really important. And, you know, as the as these different pieces of research tech are in the hands of different departments and different people, like having like everybody being on the same page, hey, this is where we're centralizing everything is crucial. Because I, I was shocked, I want to say a year or two ago, I was talking to someone who had done some research within our industry and found that on average, I think it was companies had like 90 different pieces of tech reach. So, and that's, you know, using competing technologies across different departments and, you know, everything kind of living all in different places. Like I can only imagine the, the repetition of the research and the, the, the issues that are, that, that come from having that kind of setup. So, yeah. you know, it's not only the technology all working together, but like getting all that buy-in, like, hey, we're all on the same page. This is what we're going to be using. And all of the data is in the same place. Yeah. So you can make like better use of the data, right? When it's uh, connected together. But the other thing too, is you, you think about it from a CIO level, uh, they're trying to reduce the number of places where customer data is stored or the risks mm -hmm. in general. Right, especially with all the privacy laws that uh, are coming online, that you know we expect to see more of those in the future, and kind of stricter control from consumers around like their their own personal data, and so it's uh, you know trying to reduce the uh, number of surface areas where data is stored, especially PII and you know uh, private health information, uh, feels like a really important thing for uh, enterprises. Yeah, that's such a great point. I mean, data privacy is such a uh, a crucial thing, uh, you know, always always should have been, but especially now, um, it's getting more and more important and and definitely something people need to be conscious of. What are some of the, the challenges and opportunities of marrying different methodologies, qualitative, quantitative, different data sources when it comes to the, the research tech that people are, are using? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, bring this up i think there are some real challenges in terms of like the way people have traditionally done research isn't to marry things like natively together right so uh it, it's a process change and also when you're overwhelmed with data like the truthfully it's amazing because no organization is short of columns of data right there's so much of it and really the question becomes how do you make use of it and that's where you know, machine learning tools come in. But how do you learn about machine learning tools? How do you evaluate? How do you remove kind of black box algorithms and make things uh, accessible is, is really key. And uh, so there's a lot of things that, um, you know, there are traditional research processes. Uh, think about data processing stuff and like use of traditional cross tabs and things like that that don't make sense in a data abundant environment just because it becomes increasingly challenging to analyze the data at scale. You're taking, you know, like uh, I think back to, uh, you know, early days in the research industry, which wasn't that long ago, but still long, long enough ago that I was still faxing, you know, cross tabs until like 8 p.m. at some point, right? So um, <laughs> maybe that's a metaphor for like the research industry just being a little bit behind. 
Um, but uh, you know who you are if you receive the facts from me. It's like one of like three people. Um, but uh, you know, like it, essentially, we limited the number of banner points, the number of data cuts that you have, largely because um, there's limits to human scale and the ability to comb through enough data. And you know, for us, uh, I, I see a, a future where uh, those limits are removed, where we can look at everything, right? Uh, and don't have to limit like the uh, the opportunities for learning and the types of information that we're using for for scale. So it, it's a lot of a process change. It's a lot of uh, upcoming education for insights practitioners. Uh, what I expect to happen is that. Uh, the decision makers on the periphery that aren't traditional researchers are going to adapt, adapt uh, new ways of conducting data analysis much faster than traditional uh, kind of uh, practitioners, largely just because it's new and there's preconceived notions about how to do things. Yeah, and our, our industry isn't historically uh, known for moving quickly or, or adapting quickly to change. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, I haven't sent a fax with cross tabs on them in about ten years. But uh, you know, but if, still, ten years is not that long ago. The fact that I was I was trying not to laugh like out loud and you know totally screw up the audio on this live stream. <laughs> no, right? But that's like that was the state things are moving now, right? Yeah, and uh, it is what it is. So Absolutely. you know, big big step change, and you know, really, I think the opportunities for integrating quant and qual are really significant. There's no reason that qualitative research, you know, once it's been processed, can't be treated as structured data. So we do things today where we, you know, take, uh, you know, uh, we're using machine learning APIs to analyze, you know, text and photos and all those things like many others do. But then you can use that data and use those essentially as like a banner point to cut your data by, or as like a stub or a row, you know, your data to, to analyze by. And so you can look for differences in like unstructured and structured. Um, and I think there's really significant opportunity there. We ask survey questions because uh, we're trying to structure unstructured thoughts, right? And, uh, you know, the, the better use we can make of video and of photos and text and natural like approaches to research, I think the higher fidelity uh, research will have. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I actually think back to what we were talking about before, like this is where the insights function can really shine if we can if we can get that right. Like you're totally right. There is no shortage of data right now. And there's mountains of it more than anyone ever had access to before. Like survey data aside, all the behavioral data, all the social data, it's just like data overload and if we can get it right like how do you marry all of that together the primary research the secondary research any passive data that you're collecting and turn that into you know a, a mountain of data is not useful on its own it's yeah. useful when you can summarize some kind of new insight in one sentence to say this is what this means for our business, for our customers, and what we can do to better serve them or whatever it might be, whatever decision you're trying to make. And being able to distill those mountains of data into that one key finding that nobody else knew before, that is where insights can really shine. Oh yeah, and then all of a sudden, because we have new processing capabilities, the ability to actually turn insights into action is, uh, it's, it's, it, it increases. 
-hmm. right? And so the, the ability to take something and then cause an action in a development workflow or an ad, you know, ad testing or whatever it might be, uh, it, it, I think it's really significant and it's gonna be really important. And so you have less handing around or passing around PowerPoint presentations, right? Uh, and more connections to tools that make help you know help make decisions for organizations. Yeah, and I bet that's the difference of those twenty percent of CEOs who said they were getting what they needed from insights. It's like, has there been some? Did we make a decision that made a big impact on our business and on our customers? Like, totally. I bet that's the difference. Yeah. And it's really like the, I think the way that I, I think about it is how do we reduce the latency between like a business question and an action, right? So ideally, like there's no latency, there's nothing there because you already have existing data, but when you need to add in data, how do you make that not take six weeks or six days? How do you make it six hours or six minutes, right? Mm -hmm. And still be accurate. And still be accurate, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's the key. We can get stuff fast. Might have right. <laughs> I can take a lot of surveys. I've taken a lot of surveys in my day, so <laughs> I can get through them pretty quickly. Totally, totally. So in terms of companies that are trying to get started, like using better market research tech or, you know, leverage the tech that they have better, like what would you suggest in, you know, how, how these companies, improving those processes um, to to make better use of that that technology yeah so I, I think um, I think a good place to start and I have no magic that comes from you know being uh, at, at fuel cycle or something like that but I think mapping the North Star and identifying the ideal state is definitely one way to get going so map the ideal state what does insights look the most optimal function for your organization? And then you move into, okay, so what's achievable over the next two years, the next year, the next six months, the next week, and you start moving that forward. And so you'd like to have like research technology, make sure you understand capabilities, but uh, that's, that's definitely where I'd start is identify the North Star and then work backward from there. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. It's, uh, it's just in my own role in my own career, like, you know, managing the long term with the short term is oh, yeah. always always the challenge right like what can you do right now that's going to have an impact right now and what do you need to do to work towards something that you might not see the fruits of for a couple of years like and so yeah so it's like investing in partners that have a vision for the future too mm -hmm. right so if you're future proofing your area part of that uh continually invest in technology that has a, a release cadence and that is uh you know working to make their solutions better uh all the time and I think, uh, you know, they're API forward, they're willing to integrate with existing business systems. And that ends up, uh, you know, paying kind of reaping dividends down the line. We don't have to rip and replace uh, new solutions all the time. Yeah, totally. And I think, too, the technology companies that are in the space now that are doing things right are really collaborating with and co-creating with their users. Yeah. In addition to leading, you know, there's a balance of like listening to customer feedback and implementing that and also leading and saying, this is what you need. This is what's going to make your work better. And so it's like the, the research technology companies out there need to be good at customer research in the same way that the brands are um, oh. kind of drinking our own Kool-Aid. Yeah. I mean, we went through a, a lot of processes to, you know, like there, there came a day 
when I started uh, at FuelCycle, I, I probably knew every customer. I knew their dog's name. I knew what their kids liked for breakfast, right? Because we had a smaller team. And it eventually got to a scale where, you know, I didn't just intuitively know everything. And that required that we invest in understanding the customer and making sure that, you know, people have a responsibility for, for knowing uh, what customers need. So, you know, when we started rolling out new products and solutions, like we're doing usability studies, we're using uh, our focus group solutions uh, to, to get stuff done, you know, to, to have customer interviews, um, which is always fun when you use your own focus group technology to run a focus group on your focus group technology. It's very, it's a very <laughs> meta experience, right? But then also like using traditional like insights methods. So feature prioritization, really is like in many ways like we're using kind models to uh, identify you know what's going to to make a difference for us in the long run uh, uh you know some some pricing methodologies all those things to make sure that we are uh i, I the, the phrase eating our own dog food right but like essentially like we we need to make sure that we're practicing what we preach yeah totally and as you say like you know even it's not just when you scale your customers, but as you're scaling your teams, like you know, you intuitively knowing your your customers doesn't help scale to the team that you're building and like helping with that transparency across the team, making sure everybody understands their cost the, the who the customer is and what their needs are is so is so crucial. Yeah, most definitely. So documenting and sharing. We go through the same process that our clients go through, I think, in terms of like trying to share personas, get information out, turn insights into action. And uh, so I, I definitely sympathize with uh, insight professionals. I feel I feel like we we are our own customer too. It's so true. It's it's a it's a beautiful thing and it's a challenge too, because we do, you know, <laughs> I'm with you. Like I understand the challenges that we go through of, you know, when do you run this type of study or that type of study or what what's the question that needs to be answered? And, you know, there's always a drive to like sneak in a question that's unrelated to the problem you're trying to solve. Like, you know, it's hard. It's it's customer yeah. insights are not easy. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've had more than uh, more than one idea for our roadmap uh, and our overall strategy come from our own experience of operating insights. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Same here. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I want to thank you so much for taking some time to chat with me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Like um, I said, life, life goal achieved. Life goal achieved. I'm so glad I could help you get there. <laughs> so thank you, everyone in the audience, for joining us. Please rate and review us on your favorite network. And don't forget to share our show with your friends and coworkers. In the next episode next week, I'll be joined by Bianca Pryor of BET. We'll see you all then.